everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. This is going to be our wrap-up episode for a supernatural thriller starring the living mummy. Ed and I are going to knock out the last two issues, and then we're going to talk about something else we have going on afterwards. Uh, we're going to have one kind of a final episode with a, a couple of surprises there. We do announce the one, uh, the book we're going to cover, and then there's something else going on as well. So uh, stay tuned all the way to the end to uh, listen in and find out what we're up to. It's Kenner's new stretch monster. Look out, Stretch Armstrong! Ah! Stretch monster, stop you! Break loose! This will stop Stretch Monster! No, it won't! He's freeing himself! We'll meet again, Shorty! Stretch Monster, new from Kenner. Stretch Armstrong, sold separately. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. And I am here to talk some supernatural thrillers. And that means my pal Ed Moore is here with me. How are you, Ed? I'm doing pretty good, and uh, this is a good time to record because kind of riding on a high right now that mm -hmm. folks will find out about here in a little bit. Yeah, uh, just to, you know, no, to, still, we'll, we'll keep this a, a vague, we'll be vague here, but yeah, Ed and I just had a, a really good time uh, having a conversation with the creator, and uh, that conversation uh, will be out, um, I'm hoping sometime maybe in early, may, no, I'm sorry, may, maybe mid to late June, and we're going to marry that uh, conversation up with another appearance of The Living Mummy, uh, post-Supernatural Thrillers. He didn't have a whole lot for a long, long time, but he did have one crazy kooky one, and we're going to kind of marry those uh, two uh, recordings up together. But for now, we are here to finish off with the last two issues of Supernatural Thrillers, uh, 14 and 15, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, these are going to be interesting. So uh, we, we tried to get a little insight on some of the uh, changes uh, in the, uh, the, the creative uh, force behind these last two issues, and we didn't find out a whole lot just because it was, you know, uh, almost 50 years ago. Well, yeah, but, yeah, I'm sure that played a part. <laughs> but uh, uh, I do know for sure that Supernatural Thrillers number 14 was cover dated August 1975, and it was a cover by Gil Kane and Tom Palmer. So uh, what are your thoughts on this cover, uh, Mr. Moore? Um, it, it gave me kind of a different feel from some of the other covers. This is... Um, I, it's, it's not as supernaturally horror-y to me. Um, I don't know. It, it just, it just had a different feel. Now, Gil Kane, uh, you can't, you can't talk badly about Gil Kane, and I'm certainly not trying to. Uh, just, just gave me a, a different feel than what the covers have the past couple issues. Yeah, it almost reminds you of just like, you know, a scene out of, uh, you know, the mummy from Universal or something like that, almost with, you know, a mummy, you know, our buddy Encantu here. He's, uh, you know, he's a, a fighting. It looks like one, two, three, four, five, five or six guys here. It looks like six because one of them, I think he knocked out on the ground there. And uh, <laughs> one guy's with a machine gun shooting at him. Another guy has this humongous sword. And I can't remember what the name of that sword is. There's a specific name for that type of sword, but he's getting ready to try to stab him uh, in the back here. Uh, is it scimitar? Is that the word you have in mind? 
Oh, it might be, yeah, because it's like a curved sword. Yeah, that's the, the curved blade that is often associated with uh, with Arab countries and Arab militias. Yeah, and then we have, you know, it looks like they're inside, you know, a, a tomb here, King Tut's tomb or something, because he's sitting there on the left, a big statue. Yeah, yeah, some kind of temple, I guess. You see the door here, to the, or maybe that's a window to the outside, and then, yeah, a big seated, pharaoh-y, headdress-wearing kind of um, statue over here to the left. Mm-hmm. And the guy with the machine gun is saying, die, blast you, die. Not even the living mummy can stand against the servants of the elementals. And uh, for all you young kids out there, don't make fun of this poor guy because he has his socks pulled up to his knees because we all used to do that. Uh, yeah, that, that was <laughs> the way it was done then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I've, there's, I have pictures to prove it. There's, I have no shame. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this one is called All These Great Pawns. And this is an interesting one. So we have scripting in this one, not Tony Isabella, but now John Warner. And John Warner, uh, I think I have some Son of Satan. I'm not sure if it's actually in the that eight-issue run that was titled Son of Satan, or it was in the, oh gosh, I can't remember the name, Marvel Spotlight, I think it was, where we had mm-hmm. maybe you know, 8, 10, 12 issues or whatever of Son of Satan. But he did, I, I know that name in my brain you know the synapses are firing and it's it's going to son of satan but other than that i'm not sure other than maybe a fill in here or there uh his name really doesn't mean a whole lot to me outside of son of satan uh, do you know anything about him ed no no just off the top of my head i certainly don't yeah but we do still have pencils by val Merrick, and he also gets a, a co-plot on this as well and then uh, inks by al mcwilliams and that's a name that i have seen on rare occasion as well but uh, not somebody I'm super familiar with either. But uh, colors by Phil Rachelson and letters by John Costanza, which, OK, both of those names are, you know, the firmly set in Marvel Bronze Age and even, I guess, into the the, the next age, whatever you want to call that one. <laughs> For, in my yeah, mind. What, whatever it is. I, it's interesting. <laughs> I was just talking with a, another co-host on, a, on another podcast about, you know, oh, gold is A to B and silver is B to C. And, and after bronze, it's like a hundred years worth of, I don't know what we're going to call it. <laughs> I know some people re- will refer to like the 80s as the copper age, but... I kind of feel I, like for me, the Bronze Age goes into like the, the mid 80s before there was like a, a tonal shift there where everything got like grim and gritty. So I kind of like, I, I don't know, to me, I, I know I'm getting a little older, uh, but it's just there's the Bronze Age and then everything after like the mid 80s is the modern age. And I know that encompasses 25, what, almost 30 years, but <laughs> in my brain, yeah, everything, everything after that's the modern age. <laughs> And, you know, we we kind of came to the conclusion when we were talking about it that um, we who are now living in that age probably just haven't had a name, a a reason to name it yet because we lived through it. So Mm -hmm. we can pick up a book and we can say, oh, well, this came out uh, in the early 90s. This is like Image Comics or, or this came out in the mid 2000s when DC was going through one of their reboots or, you know, so, I mean, we have. The, the touchstones where we can place the books that we have in our collection. Um, whereas when we were born, the, the gold, silver, and bronze ages were already named. I mean, they were, you know, mm. widely used. So I, I think that kind of plays a part is that everybody that is living it, well, they, they don't necessarily need to name it because they just, they just know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's just always been there. Yeah. Yeah. It is, you know, um, 
a quick look on a wiki, if it can be trusted, says that Mr. Warner did a stint on Dark Shadows, which would have been for um, Gold Key. Uh, yeah. And uh, he did a stint on Captain America. Oh, see, that's news to me. I do not know of that material. That's I'd, interesting. Yeah, I'd have to. It was between Steve Englehart and Tony Isabella, if that if that can place it. I'm not. I'm not well, familiar enough with Cap to narrow it down like that. Yeah, the Cap era that was Engelhart was with Sal Buscema artwork and was fantastic. And it, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it culminated his run with uh, the Secret Empire, where yes. Cap uh, okay. busts in and finds out the head of the Secret Empire is Richard Nixon, and he pulls a revolver out of the gun and blows his head off. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah Engel, Engelhart was not a Nixon fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently not. Um, <laughs> That's always, you know, those people that, that are Cap fans and talk about Cap. Uh, Englehart is always one of the, the top mm-hmm. creators for Cap that I that I hear mentioned. Yeah, that's a fun run. Uh, you know, I, I definitely put it up there uh, pretty high on the list. Uh, to me, I think I probably at some point, maybe on my blog even, did a uh, top five or ten, you know, Cap runs or something like that. And I can't remember. I probably changed my mind changed my mind a week after I wrote that. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, uh, Roger Stern and John Byrne, it was only 10 issues, but that to me, Oh yeah. That might be I've, my, favorite. I've read that run. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's that was, great stuff. That was awesome. Yeah. That's really good stuff. Mm, so, all right, well, why don't we jump in here to this one? Um, okay. this is a, there's a little quick uh, synopsis here on grand comics database. It just says the war reaches an apex. When Dr. Scarab makes contact with Dan, the warrior, and Nephris via the Scarlet Scarab, leading to a showdown with the Elementals. So let's let let's you and I do a better job than that little one liner. <laughs> OK, Let, or let's at least let's attempt it. So starting off splash page. I really like this splash page and I'll just say it out loud. I right now I really like this issue quite a bit because it goes into more of. And Kantu's, uh, you know, uh, origin and history and, you know, who he was before he came the mummy, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. This this splash page is kind of a uh, is is cut between a now and a then uh, the now being where we left them from last issue, which was that Nkantu and Zephyr and uh, Asp. I'm thinking that's the Asp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, are, are returning and. Janice and Dr. Scarab are supposed to be somewhere, but they're gone. So they, they walk into an, an empty room. That's on the left-hand side. And on the right-hand side, we see a young, virile, in his prime, Nkantu, uh, walking into a house much the same way. He's expecting it to be occupied by someone, and he walks into it, and there's no one there. So we we start to get into a little bit of his origin, and they're also drawing a parallel with what he is experiencing now and what he has experienced previously in his life as well. Uh, albeit like 3000 years ago, but he's mm-hmm. experienced uh, something very similar. Yeah. And I love how both of those, you know, I love the figures here, you know, the, the mummy looking in through the door looks great. And there's Zephyr and she kind of has her hand up like, <gasps> like where'd they go? And I think old mm-hmm. Dan was supposed to be there too. He's, he's now a, a captive, I believe, but, uh, on the right, yeah, in Kantu, he looks jacked. Like he's got like an eight pack. Although I will say, oh, yeah. he looks fantastic. Except I will say, uh, his navel kind of looks like a donut. Well, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's muscled around it, kind of, yeah, donut like. <laughs> I was like, is he got a donut there? Maybe he's hungry, but 
it, they, it, yeah. it, it looks really good. And he has, I like how his right arm and then comes down in his hand into a fist. Like he's absolutely ready to clobber somebody. It's, it's fantastic. And like you said, you turn the page and it's the same thing. You get the left-hand side of the top uh, panel, two panels there, you get the mummy. Uh, and then on the right-hand side, you know, you get uh, our buddy Encantu uh, before he became the mummy. And they both look really pissed off. Right. Yeah. Uh, also, that splash page, now that I think about it, it, it gives you the opportunity also to definitely compare in Kantu now and then. You know, now as the mummy, you see he's kind of in in an unnatural uh, standing form there, whereas the in Kantu of the past, it's it's a much natural looking figure drawing. Yeah. And now that you're mentioning that, I'm trying to, like, even take a more critical eye to it, it uh, on the left hand side with the mummy. It almost looks like his butt cheek is resting on the asp's head. Yeah, yeah, like he's he's sitting there. He got tired and, and he yeah, he took a took a squat there from He's like, don't move, Asp. I need to rest for a second. Yeah, hang, hang on right there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoy this. So it dives head first into a, a time back when, you know, Encantu was at his village there. But, you know, he realizes something happened here at his village. You know, uh, Tchambi's gone and his family, his wife, his father, you know, everybody's gone. And you see these like kind of native huts and uh, he's, you know, really pissed off. And he, it says, but these husks were not shed. The broken spears and fallen shields of proud Swarili warriors attest to that, that an entire people were uprooted and taken. And, you know, this basically is the lead in to what, you know, how his people were enslaved, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, you can you can see that it, it it's almost like you know one of these scenes that you'll see nowadays of something mysterious where the table is set and there's still food on the table and everything like that. Like the the people just got poofed away, but everything else was left exactly like it was. That's kind of the the feeling I get for the village. Everything is there where it's supposed to be, just there are no people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he, you know, eventually kind of tracks them down that he sees them being, you know, uh, herded onto this great ship. And that ship looks fantastic, by the way. It almost uh, it almost reminds me of a, a Viking long ship. Uh, right. Yeah. With that, whatever the nose end of it is called. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he, of course, he sees this and he's just like, you know, enraged by this because, you know, his people are being like subjugated. Um, with you know by these uh, Egyptians and you know there's a guy there um, on page six where he's got a spear and he's like sticking it in the guy's face and I'm not sure if that's supposed to be Tachambi or not because that guy looks kind of a bit you know old and weak and last time we saw Tachambi I guess maybe that could have been even previously like many years before this he was looking still pretty big and jacked yeah, he was st still looking kind of in the primish, but yeah, this dude has seen a, f a few more years than what what I what I thought as well. But I, I do think that that is supposed to be Encantu's wife and and the chief there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and Encantu doesn't screw around. He goes flying no. right into this you know uh, the sea of Egyptians and just he he literally starts beating the crap out of them. And that bottom panel. He has one by the throat with his left hand that he's choking the crap out of the guy. And on the right, you don't necessarily see all of it, but he has a sword and it looks like he just stuck it right through somebody's chest. Yep. And there's a couple more that have that he's already felled uh, before mm -hmm. he got to the two that we see here. And then he's surrounded by a handful more with some others running uh, from off to the side, running up to him, too. So he is 
he is more uh, than than holding his own, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, literally against like a dozen guys. And they eventually kind of like, you know, try to like dogpile on him, which I don't know if that was going to work either. He seems like he's kicking one of them off on page seven there. But one of them finally has the wherewithal to be like, you know what? I'm just going to crack this guy over the head with a <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to be, but something very heavy. Yeah, some kind of uh, pseudo Egyptian war club, I guess, at, at the very least, is what what we would have to believe that is. But yeah, they, they, you can't outfight him. So you're just going to have to, uh, as the kids say, uh, KTFO him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just says there's a panel that says hopelessness and it shows the ship sailing away. And it says the hopelessness of a people caught up in the horror of events they cannot understand. Foes they feel too weak to fight. And there's a really good uh, panel there of our buddy, the mummy, kind of pondering uh, what's going on here, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I uh, listened to, for uh, purposes, a podcast uh, earlier today where uh, Val Merrick was interviewed. And he was a particular fan of drawing faces. He he found them to be some of the most interesting things as an artist that he could draw, but also in real life, just faces and, and all of the story um, that a face can tell just fascinated him. This, mm-hmm. I think, is is him flexing those muscles uh, where Merrick uh, got a chance to draw this. Also, a little bit earlier, uh, the page before, we see uh, the back then in Cantu with a very enraged kind of face, very close up. And mm-hmm. yeah, now the mummy uh, also with his darkened right eye, but his visible left eye, that's kind of a thing with our, our mummy in these books. Yeah. Um, the wrappings, and you can see some of the, uh, the geography, let's call it of the face, you know, the indentations and whatnot, but yeah, that's, that's really particularly down here at the bottom, you see end of chapter one. Well, that's a heck of a way to end the chapter. That's your last image. <laughs> yeah, really. And I will say I was a little uh, shocked that I think this is the first time in quite a while his uh, eye was not rendered as uh, red. Yeah, yeah, it looks kind of regular here, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if that was a mistake by the colorist or if that was just something maybe he's not like pissed off and fighting and in the midst of it, so it's not red. Because I, I do think later on, in the issue, we do see uh, his eye red again. So maybe that's well, just like a thing when he's all pissed off and like wanting to fight, he, uh, it turns red. You know, we, we've been told that, you know, there were perhaps some issues with colorists back then. So, you know, it's it's maybe hard to say what was going on without trying to, you know, slam or slight anybody. So mm-hmm. and then uh, they find a, a note on the floor and <laughs> I, I think it's uh, the asp here. He's like, hey. People, there's a note lying here over here, leastwise. It suddenly occurred to me that it might be a note because I don't recall any discarded paper being left around here. And he goes, and what better way in an empty room to disguise a note you don't want the troops to find? And then I'm not sure. Is that uh, who that is saying the next line here? Is that that's supposed to be? I'm trying to think. It doesn't look like Dr. Scarab because I know I know that's Ron there. No, it would be it would be old Dan. He's the only other person left, right? Yeah, and he goes, well, come on, Sherlock, read it. <laughs> Yikes, yeah. But that's a really good uh, panel. The, these next two panels, again, like you're saying, you know, the, the, the facial features and the, the emotion right. in these next two panels. What about those? Yeah, lots of, lots of uh, no pun intended, FaceTime 
uh, here. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and, and it's interesting now that I have heard that this particular artist had an affinity for that. Looking back at the series, I'm like, well, yeah, there were more than just a handful of close up faces uh, as as it was a uh, a talking head part of the story, which, you know, of, of course, reading superhero comics, we're immensely used to that, um, particularly if you read Chris Claremont at any point. But mm -hmm. so, yeah, these these are very well uh, rendered, although I will say these are, I thought, very well colored. Uh, they look very much like, I think, what they're supposed to. You know, the the images of the people that they're trying to relate to us, I, I picked up just visually who these two people were. So in, in my mind, that means, well, then the art did its job, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good, good stuff. I, I particularly like um, Ze Zephyr. Mm -hmm. no, that's yep. Not that's that's is, the is girl that there. Zephyr. Yep. Zephyr, yeah. Yeah. I, I I like her rendering with the with the helmet, and and she you know she definitely has the softer, more feminine kind of features and and everything. I, I thought that one particularly to me of the two stood out. Yeah, and that one they they did a like a red background, which is interesting, mm. and it does make her face and hair kind of stand out a little bit more. So good choices there, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and uh, I just want to make an aside here. You know, you mentioned FaceTime. So, Apple, if you're listening, you know, we'll mention FaceTime on every episode. Just send a check, and uh, we'll make it happen. There you go. Yeah, we, we will. You can be our sponsor. It's, 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 <laughs> it can happen. Absolutely. <laughs> Sponsored so, by Apple. Yeah. So they do uh, read the note, and it says that uh, Janice and uh, Dr. Scarab have gone down to the radiology clinic because they want to see if uh, somehow the equipment there can get the Scarab the scarlet scarab to work which is interesting you know some kind of radiation that's a you know dr scarab's no dummy that's a, a pretty pretty good way to uh, see if you can get that thing to work right yep yep it's not necessarily something that i had thought of as i'm reading this i think of the scarab as more a uh, a supernatural artifact but you know i guess if you're uh, a doctor you know and you're you you have this scientific rules that you have to to do things by Okay, radiation sounds like something good to to hit the scarab with to see if it does anything. Mm -hmm. And there's an awesome panel there at the top of page eleven where it shows the equipment, you know, zapping yeah. the scarlet scarab, and they're like back behind a you know a glass wall and stuff. I I really like that panel. I I will say though, I was kind of scared about what they said in the next panel. Um, Doctor Scarab is telling us the X-rays didn't do much. Or didn't produce much effect, but we've just bombarded that gem with enough gamma radiation. Oh boy! <laughs> to was yeah, I'm like, oh no, it's yeah. Mm -hmm. Somebody's gonna hulk out any second uh, here, but who knows? You know, you're gonna have to worry <laughs> about the daylight sundown. You're gonna have to watch the color of the scarab. I, I kept looking to see if if purple was involved anywhere with it. Yeah, so it was. Uh, needless to say, none of that really affected it. But yeah, he said gamma radiation, and I immediately thought, uh-oh. And I will say, not to, to keep harping on it, but these next three panels where they're looking at the scarab, uh, incredible work here. Uh, Val Merrick, especially that middle panel. I think Janice in that middle panel looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, I think um, at, at this point, I don't know, you know, I can't necessarily speak about his career overall at this point. But his career on this book 
he is really coming into his own with his artistry and his storytelling on this just in time for it to end here in another issue. So that's unfortunate, but yeah, this is the, the artwork and the inking and in most cases, the coloring I think are really meshing really well. We're getting a lot of story visually without having to necessarily rely on as much prose as other times and other books. So yeah, it it was really nice to just be able to look at this. I would love to be able to see this in just black and white, just the line work. Yeah, especially, man, you turn the page and go to page 14 there where it's a close-up of uh, Janice and half of her face has light on it and the left-hand side is in shadow. In shadows. Oh, man, that, yeah. That original artwork for that would have to be something else. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of goes through a little bit of her, uh, you know, backstory here as well, kind of saying like, hey, you know, Scarab, who's, you know, kind of feeling down on himself here because he's trying to get this scarab scarlet scarab to work and nothing he thinks is that would help is helping so she's kind of telling him like hey you know stop uh, wallowing in self-pity here what's like let's go we got a we got a world to save right <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> oh man and then page 15 like a two-thirds or maybe 75 percent panel here uh where it shows the mummy walking through a door and in front of him is uh, zephyr and Again, fantastic composition here. It's yeah. moody. The lighting is great. Zephyr looks like super sexy, by the way. And then the mummy's just kind of looking around like, hey, how's it going? And I was shocked. The mummy actually speaks here. Uh, and he speaks like legibly. It's it's not mm-hmm. where you have to kind of piece together what he's saying or anything like that. It's yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess they I don't know why. I don't think it's a change that you necessarily had to make, you know? No. So mm-hmm. I don't know I, if that's I'm not sure why. Maybe because Warner is scripting, you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that was, I mm. kind of feel like Tony maybe would have just kept it kind of garbled or just kept him silent. Right. Or at the, at the very, probably at the very most, it would have been a thought bubble. It wouldn't have been a vocalization. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, and maybe this was supposed to be one. Because it, yeah. it very well could be if you would take it and just move it up higher in the panel and make it like, you know, the little circles, it very well could be. Could be. I mean, it, if, if it's a if it's a, a, a vocalization, the balloon already has a weird shape to it and everything. So, yeah, maybe something got lost in translation somewhere and it maybe it was supposed to be a, a thought bubble. Yeah, because, I mean, when you look at uh, Zephyr's dialogue, it really isn't. You could really look at it as just not even her responding to what he said, just as her right. kind of monologuing to herself. Yeah, she's she's not inviting any kind of discourse or anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they finally make it to the radiology place and you still have uh, Janice and Dr. Scarab here zapping the crap out of that thing. And he does go over and touch it. There's a really good sequence of like five panels here where he just goes over and touches it. And there's something very strange happens and he gets engulfed by this like pinkish purplish kind of energy. And then all of a sudden there's a panel at the bottom. It's like a third of the page and it says fire consumes Alexi Scarab, a fire that pulsates out from the Scarab gem and courses up his nerve tracks. His head swims, then pounds. He feels as if something trapped within him were smashing its way out. It's pretty neat. It's a good panel there, right? Yeah, I, it, it's the gamma radiation, man. I, I, I told you it was it was going to be bad news. And, and here you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, instead of a green Hulk out, it's a pink 
Hulk out. <laughs> right. I'm I'm sure there was pink uh, somewhere. Pink isn't pink related to gray somehow on the color wheel or something. Yeah. So mm-hmm. here here we go. Yeah, and this like face appears, and it says, uh, <clears throat> "You are the stone, Alexei Scarab. Your fate, and perhaps that of your universe, is tied to this gem. It is the light and life of your ancestors, Nephris and myself, Dan, numbering among them." And it says Nephris from Supernatural Thrillers 5 and 7. Dan was revealed in Supernatural Thrillers 8. And then he continues, listen, and I shall tell you portents of the stone. <laughs> so that very, was an interesting thing here. Huh? Very ominous. Yeah. Yeah. I was and thinking, it's just a this... face. It's, it's like just a, a face in the energy. Yeah. It almost looks like a mask. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and I was just like, is this, you know, the don't don't uh, pay any attention to that man behind the curtain kind of. <laughs> it's the genie of the gem speaking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's interesting. And uh, Janice, she's in the background and she doesn't see any of this. She just sees him kind of wigging out Dr. Scarab and she says, Doctor, what's happened? And the, uh, the caption says, Alexei Scarab doesn't answer as the white fire seems to subside in his mind. And then he just falls over and yeah, that's when... Uh, and Kantu and uh, Zephyr come in and he's laying on the, the floor prone. And of course they have no idea what to do here, but uh, the nights seem long in Cairo lately. So back over to uh, old Dan, uh, the asp and our buddy Ron here. And, and we found out in the previous issue that Ron is, I wouldn't say he's a pacifist, but he was definitely more of a, just kind of a, a, a study something and try to figure out how to, you know, stop it from happening or whatever kind of guy. He wasn't like a man of action, but he kind of got forced into action in that last issue. And now he's he's ready for action again in this issue, isn't he? Well, I, I yes, but I think also he's suffering from some PTSD that he's he's trying to explain here. Uh, maybe, you know, before PTSD was was called what it's called, mm-hmm. um, you know, because he's talking about how. um Half of me wants to go out and kill every blasted one of them, and the other half of me is dying inside. That definitely sounds like PTSD to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really struggling with this, and he says about it being like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. And ever since I killed that man last night, when <laughs> which that was probably my favorite moment of that book, where uh, he took a, a picked up a weapon and shot it at a guy that had a flamethrower, and the bullet hit the fuel tank on the guy's back and burned him like a marshmallow. <laughs> yep, he was he was pretty effective, and I mean, come on, it it really was a, a him or me kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And then uh, the three guys uh, decide they're going to head out and uh, get something done here. Again, there's a really uh, interesting choice here at the bottom of page, uh, I believe that's eighteen, where uh, Merrick just decided to draw like a panel of like an alleyway, and it's you know not like pitch dark at nighttime but it's getting to be kind of dark out and you can just see the three figures of the men going through an archway it's really neat panel you know i mean it's it's not it's it's a little more i don't know if i want to say minimalist but it it looks really neat it's very effective to me it was very reminiscent of the uh the place that they're supposed to be you know what what i assume are these uh northern african kind of rock and and uh mud kind of buildings and the archway and everything like that. Plus it's darkened because it's at night and it's, it's less light, but yet there's enough light to see them. Although the colors are more muted and darker because it's night. I, I, 
think the the entire composition was just really really cool with that yeah and you you know flip to the next page and it's kind of a continuation but now we see there are some i believe these are you know followers of the elementals here you know as we also mm-hmm. found out previous episode where you know uh, uh cairo has just gone crazy where once it got encased in this bubble, people just went absolutely bananas. Some people are just kind of cowering in fear. Other people are, you know, like, you know what, these elementals, they have something to do with our history. So we should, you know, almost worship them as gods and listen to them. And then there's, you know, this small group of people that's like, yeah, no, we're not having this. And these, uh, this group of guys, I mean, maybe there's like six of them, maybe seven with, you know, uh, a pipe, uh, a, a, almost like almost looks like a bow staff uh, one guy has a pistol and you know they're basically going to jump them and <laughs> i love it it's like there's the asp he has an m16 there is one guy with a pistol but the rest of them just have like you know like i said pipes and sticks and stuff like that i'm thinking i'd be like um asp can you just like mow those guys down please yeah yeah really uh just just let me duck and you do a, a little 360 with the trigger pulled and and you probably could take care of most of those guys yeah yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, why maybe break a bone, break your hand, punching some guy out when the yeah, guy next no. to you has a, a semi-automatic weapons? Let him have yeah. it. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure what happened. Maybe, maybe he just forgot that he was carrying it in his uh, in his fear of being surrounded. <laughs> maybe he doesn't have any bullets left. It's just uh, for show. <laughs> uh, there you go. Could be. <laughs> but uh, we switch back to the uh, radiology lab. And, you know, uh, Zephyr is there now and in Kantu, and they're trying to figure out what's going on with Scarab. And they're like, what happened to you? And he goes, not sure. It was something like a vision or temporary possession. I don't know. But it told me that I was what I was searching for. It requires the soul of a wizard to work, something I seem to have come in directly by indirectly through my ancestry. And, of course, that's, you know, Nephris. And we he says, Nephris, the man who in Kantu thought I was when he first awoke. And an Egyptian warrior, Dan, from some earlier time, are both my ancestors. And I thought, oh, okay, Dan. So do they mean old Dan? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, so. I thought that momentarily, <laughs> yeah. Like, hmm. well, so, well, speaking of uh, the crew, uh, they uh, are here as well now, it looks like, right? So, you know, they're going to kind of come in here. Uh, the, I'm sorry, it's not old Dan and uh, Aspen, all those guys. It's more of these... Uh, elemental uh, flunkies lackeys yeah yeah they bust in and the one guy now this guy he doesn't he knows what he's doing he doesn't screw around he has a machine gun and he basically kicks in the door and just you know opens fire here but uh unfortunately for our friend here uh bullets don't hurt the mummy but they do piss him off and he just tears into these guys like they're a bunch of like little children right yep like just like he did when he rushed into the egyptians earlier in the uh, in the story here Mm-hmm. And uh, there's his uh, left eye being red again, by the way. Uh, yeah, you're on right. Page 27. Uh, yep. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he starts tearing into these uh, fools here, which, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. I love how, again, page 30 of the comic, <laughs> you see Zephyr standing there, and the mummy picked up one of the guys, or is that supposed to be all of them? I can't tell. It looks like it's at least two different guys, right? And yeah. chucks them out a window. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think it's I, I assumed when I read it the first time that it was her. Oh, using the wind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Probably. Yes. Yeah. yeah you're using right. Her wind powers. And, and, you know, she she sucked them 
all basically, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Sucked sucked all of them out and and pitched them out the window using her using her powers is what I assumed. Yeah, and those guys are definitely dead. And the mummy, oh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're history. <laughs> he still has some guy by like the the scruff of his shirt here, and the guy looks like he's completely knocked out or dead. And uh, you know, hey, you know, they're like, we got to get out of here, dude. So Doctor Scarab grabs the Scarab, and they start heading out. But the minute they go outside the building, uh, the elementals are there and. They don't look happy. Back on the the page there where um, she threw everybody out the window, the next Mm -hmm. row, uh, all the way on the right-hand side where he grabs the scarab, that looks to me like holding a hand. Mm -hmm. Do do, do you think there's anything to that, or it's just the nature of what was drawn? Yeah, I wasn't sure because I don't ever remember them making a point that he had ever picked it up before and it kind of fits like right into your hand there, you know, and then through like, you know, in between your fingers and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it just it struck me as two people holding hands almost. And so I I just wondered, well, you know, are are, are we trying to be told something by the artwork that now there is some kind of uh, thing between him and the scarab because of his visitation from his ancestors that now the scarab you know works as one with him or something like that i don't know maybe i'm just reading too much into it well that last page uh big splash page there it's fantastic the elementals are writing on i guess maybe a wave from hydron and look at the mummy he is like a giant that's why i love him he he literally looks like he's a foot and a half taller than everybody else it's great i love how he's rendered there yep and and it I mean it's not disproportionately so. It's just he's bigger. Yeah, he's just a big dude. Yep. Yeah, the the three of them kind of dressed more like more like superheroes really than anybody else in the book has been the the elementals here in their flashy costumes and their their capes and their colors and everything. Right. Yeah. Yep, totally totally agree. Well, that's that's it for this one, right? Yep. Yeah, there's a little blurb at the at the bottom right-hand corner there that basically says, you know, uh, be ready, you know, next the next issue is going to be, uh, you know, the the last one of the story. It's going to finish up the war that shook the world. Final issue coming up. Mm-hmm. They're not kidding. It's, it's, it's the final issue in more ways than one, right? <laughs> yep. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, really. Unfortunately is right to me, this last issue of this title. But man, I wish it would have kept going, especially with the mummy. But even with something else, maybe jumping in would have been fantastic. But so, all right, well, speaking of jumping in, let's uh, jump in here to Supernatural Thrillers number 15, cover dated October 1975. And again, Gil Kane and Tom Palmer uh, on the uh, cover here. So uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, up in the left-hand corner, the mummy is drawn correctly with the darkened right eye. Mm-hmm. On the cover itself, the mummy is drawn incorrectly. Because you can see both of his eyes, and if you're just looking at the face, he really doesn't look as mummy-ish as he does monster-ish. Mm-hmm. Yes, very, very, so, very monster character cover here, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Gil was just told uh, basically what to draw, not probably given a whole lot of references to how to draw it. And so, you know, we have an image of a mummy. Uh, looks like crashing... Uh, into something or crashing through something and harassing uh, a group of people here who are falling back with, you know, just a, a, a horror mummy-ish kind of drawing. 
as opposed to a, a drawing of our Nkentu doing something. Mm-hmm. And of course, we get the obligatory Gilkane up the nose shot there at the bottom, too. Yes, yes, that is uh, as he's running away with his head tilted <laughs> back. Yes, that's <laughs> he's like, feet don't fail me now. And he's just running with his nose. Up. <laughs> Either yep. that or he thinks he's better than everybody else there, I guess, right? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> so, all right, well, uh, let's, uh, uh, you know, jump into our final issue here. Ar- Armageddon at the Aleph. And uh, this is uh, a little bit of a switch here. So, again, we do have a script by John Warner, but there is, uh, you know, no co-plots or artwork by Val Mayrick. He's he's off the book. I guess he was maybe on to something different. Um, yep. But we do get a, a perennial, I shouldn't say perennial, but, you know, one of the, in my opinion, best Bronze Age horror artists in Tom Sutton. Um, his Marvel work for me, I do think of some of the, he did a couple issues of Werewolf by Night that were really good. Uh, he did a lot of work for Charlton as well. He's he's fantastic artist. Uh, so he was the penciler and inker here. He did, you know, all the artwork himself. And then colors, Phil Rachelson, letters, John Costanza. So what about uh, Tom Sutton? You know anything about him? What What do you think of him? Um, I think the only thing I really know that, that came to me was just what I ran into here in this book. I, I recognize the name, but I, I wasn't really able to to put my thumb on anything that I knew that he had done that I had, you know, anything enjoyed or not enjoyed or anything like that. So he, it was kind of a blind spot for me when I read that, that this was his work um, mm-hmm. going into the book. Now, so far, you know, this, this splash page here, um, I probably don't really have any problems with his work. It looks good. Um, I like what he did with the elementals. He added a little skull on each of them somewhere that we really hadn't seen before. So I, I think that's a little uh, Suttonizing or Suttonism uh, in, <laughs> you know, that he did in his work there to these characters. Um, they're floating. The elementals are floating up above, which is kind of where we left them in the previous issue uh, up above <laughs> our intrepid uh, heroes or yeah, I we I think we can call everybody heroes. Yeah. Uh, so they're you know there some of them are are looking above at the elementals. Some of them are frightened. You, you have different aspects of the fact that they are down below and the elementals are up above. So just all in all, I, I think the splash page did what it was supposed to do. Drew us in, or, or drew me in, I'll say. Um, and you know, at this point, I'm wondering, well, okay, what's going to happen next? Yeah, Tom Sutton, he did a few of the early issues of Ghost Rider, but it wasn't in this style. It was more of a Marvel House style, and I can't mm-hmm. remember who inked it, but it was definitely more like clean, smooth lines, not as, you know, horror as uh, sometimes that character could be as well. But yeah, um, I like the cover. It's it's just such a departure uh, from Val Merrick and the way he uh, drew things. And again, not that it's bad or worse or this or that. It's just a, a bit different. So it was a little jarring when I first opened it. And I'm like, wait a minute, where's Val Merrick? And I'm like, oh, it's Tom Sutton. So it took me a little while to adjust. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because we, we'd we had Val Merrick uh, long enough to really get used to his artwork. And like I said last last issue, I, I think it was really starting to, to get to being what he wanted it to be. And then, yeah, all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, thanks. Bye. Yeah, and it was, uh, I will admit here too, I looked at this and it looks like 
uh, Janice and Zephyr are more like dancing than they are scared. And the mummy, he's just standing there like, oh, hey, it's a Tuesday. Yeah, he's being a wallflower. And, <laughs> and you know, they're they're getting down to, to whatever the elementals are throwing down. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, all right, here's the little quick synopsis. It says, the war that shook the world ends as Encantu, Zephyr, the Asp, Oldan, Ron, Janice, and Dr. Scarab taps into the Scarlet Scarab's power to try to defeat the three elementals. And, uh, okay, so yeah, that's it. It's on, right? There's just, It's going to be a big, huge just action issue here of a huge fight between, you know, our, our buddy the Mummy. Hopefully Dr. Scarab can get the, the Scarlet Scarab to work and everybody else kind of just, you know, pitch in when they can. Well, I guess Zephyr, you know, she's she's got some powers to help out too, right? Yeah, yep, absolutely. And and just as an aside, you know, if, if anybody comes uh, to you or, or they're looking for that like horary narrator kind of thing, you need to throw your, your hat in the ring there for that position because mm-hmm. uh, when you do that, that that's not bad. So, All right. Anybody that's listening, that'll pay. I, I'm here. There you, know. there you go. And it doesn't have to be Apple, although Apple, <laughs> if you guys want to do that, too, you know, that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, magazines and monsters at gmail.com. Hook me, hook me up here. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, we dive right into it. There's just like, oh you know, yeah, uh, hardcore. <laughs> yeah, it gets crazy here. You know, we get you know Magnum, Hydron, and Hellfire. They just go bananas here trying to kill everybody. Yep, we got we got the big waves. We got um, opening of the the Earth with a, a big hand, and then immediately on the next page. Uh, we we have the fire. So you you have three of the four elements just represented here. Uh, one, two, three, right off the bat. And and I will say at the bottom of this page, Mister Sutton did do the mummy correctly with the darkened right eye and the big blazing red left eye. So mm-hmm. that yeah, was look, cool to see. It looks fantastic. Although I think that's supposed to be Janice behind the mummy. She's looking a little uh, like. Zombie-ish yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, something's good. Well, I mean, even look at Scarab. He's 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 got pretty darkened eyes there. Like he's he looks know, evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's not slept in about forty years. So mm-hmm. he's, he's and that's rough. and that's why I said there, it's just not that you know uh, Sutton did bad here. This if he would have been doing the last few issues, I'd be used to it and I'd be like, oh yeah, this is great. But right. it's still it's still even looking at it again. Like right now, it's still a little bit jarring after looking at uh, issue fourteen and Valmeric because he had such a way different style compared to Tom Sutton. Yeah. And, and I think that Tom Sutton has a really heavy hand uh, in inking his own line. Mm-hmm. Work. Uh, there, there is lots of ink on at least this page. And even if I hadn't read the rest of the book yet, I would expect that that's going to continue, which actually it does. So yeah, he's, he's really heavy handed in inking his own stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I will say after the show here, I'll try to uh, get a couple of pics of uh, some of his work for Warren. Creepy and eerie in black and white. Uh, it looks really good. Does it? OK. Mm-hmm. So here's Dr. Scarab. He's got the Scarlet Scarab and he's like, come on, you stupid thing. You know, work. And <laughs> <laughs> you could almost see him like smacking it to try to get it to work or something. Yeah. Yeah. Beating on it. But uh, it does eventually start emitting this light and there's a pyramid that appears inside it with an eyeball and the eyeball slowly opens up and like blasts with some it looks like it's blasting him with some energy but then when it goes to the next uh, panel it's blasting outward towards the elementals and it knocks the crap out of the three of them right yeah it's it's a little confusing 
you know, there mm-hmm. as to what exactly, because, yeah, the eye opens and the energy comes out. And then the next panel, it looks like, yeah, it's coming out at Dr. Scarab. So I'm thinking, well, it's going to imbue him with some kind of power, you know, and then he'll be able to do something. But then the next panel, it, it, the energy is going away from them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure story-wise what happened there other than just uh, some complications in rendering the the pictures, you know, when Sutton laid them down. But yeah, the uh, either way, what comes out of this scarab really messes with the elementals hard, hard. I mean, they, yeah, they just get scattered. Yeah, as they're falling back down from their, you know, uh, position aloft, uh, Magnum says, Hellfire, you idiot. They've discovered the secret of the scarab. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. That sounded there a little There you go. Wild. Hellfire didn't burn them fast enough. He he wanted to play with his meal instead of just dispatching them. Yeah, and then the mummy, he starts to get a little worried here. He thinks to himself, the man, Dr. Scarab, is valiant. But in his urgency, he has overlooked one important detail. With the elementals in a state of momentary chaos, the mass of flame Hellfire created is about to fall so i guess there, there was some fire kind of floating around but now it's all fallen towards the ground and on to them i i guess so i thought that he had like um you know ejected the fire towards them to begin with and because in that panel where um scarab starts messing with the well with the scarab uh you see that they're surrounded by flame in one panel Mm-hmm. Scarab himself is sweating profusely, and I assume that was because of the flames, not because he's, you know, uptight about what's going on, which he's would nervous. be reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. but yeah, I, I assumed it was all because of the flame, and, and all of these panels that show anything about the environment, you know, surrounding our heroes is is flame-colored, if not directly illustrated flames. So I, I thought that they were that the flames had already been directed at them and they, they just had escaped being singed, you know, but now in mm-hmm. telling us, well, no, actually it was, you know, the, the Johnny cash, uh, they, they fell into a ring of fire and the, <laughs> well, actually the ring of fire fell into them mm-hmm. and now they're being burned by it. So, yeah, again, it just, I guess just a little confusion into what Sutton thought he was supposed to do in what was put on the page by him and then what it looks like to me. Um, those three things aren't necessarily uh, meshing up completely right, right yet. Mm-hmm. But we see, you know, the mummy, uh, he's turning into quite the hero here. He, he realizes his, his friends are going to get cooked. So he picks them up and uh, tries to carry them out of there and away from trouble. Wow. So at the bottom of page seven there, this is uh, I'll give Tom Sutton a ton of credit for this panel. She shows Zephyr here with her hands mm-hmm. in the air, gesturing for her wind powers. And she looks really crazy there. I love that panel. Yeah. And the the energy, I guess we can call it, coming off of her hands or the the symbolization of, um, I don't know, of the winds maybe that she's controlling. But yeah, she is. She's doing something and it looks really cool coming off her hands and off her arms. Mm, it looks really great. And, you know, she tries to, you know, do her best here to help out and get the flames away. And uh, it, but there's there's still just that little bit of time for I think his name is uh, it's Magnum, right? That controls the earth. He brings these mm-hmm. ha- hands up out of the earth to catch the three of them. And <laughs> we do see, you know, on the ground as well, our buddy Ron 
and Asp and Oldan, they're fighting the, the minions of the elementals here as well. And it looks for a second like they're about to, you know, get shot. Like they, they kind of get, you know, beat down because there's just too many of these people. And there's a guy that has an M16 pointed right at them like he's about to unload on them. But then, mm-hmm. of course, you know, wait a little, we, we switch scenes back to the elementals and Zephyr and the mummy, right? Yep. Yep, we see uh, Zephyr fighting Magnum uh, one-on-one here. That next panel of uh, Dr. Scarab, he he really looks like he is um, suffering from having handled the Scarab. I mean, he's he's looking pretty, uh, is it is it peaked? Would that, would that be a good description of his facial features? R- really sunken we- in? Weathered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like all of a sudden. I mean, he... You know, he hasn't been looking that bad. Also, uh, let me mention that it could be that he's missing the little beard that he has been having. It's kind of hard to tell because the lower jawline and neckline of his face is in shadows. So the beard could be in the shadow, but it, uh, yeah, I don't know. But either way, it's looking like um, almost like he is being drained of moisture is, is how his face is being rendered here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does look like he's a like he needs a water fountain staff. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been out in the desert around Cairo a little bit too much and suffering for it. And boy, I'll tell you, he looks. Uh, what's his name here too? Again, I, I'm pretty sure that's Magnum again, mm-hmm. or is that supposed to be Hellfire? He looks uh, really, really bad. Like like really crazy. Like a, your typical evil villain kind of guy. Yeah, I think that's maybe Hellfire. Uh, Hellfire. Yeah, I think he has the red or the orange around him in the previous panel where him and the mummy are kind of face to face. That's a neat panel, by the way, a perspective shot there. I like that. Yeah. Well, but no, close up is great. It's Magnum because he's he's talking, talking some trash. And then in the next panel, he's raising up these. Um, almost uh, what what is the, the golems? Uh, some some yeah. kind of, of stone um, monsters, soil based yeah. golems here to go up against the mummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, that's a really cool panel, by the way, because there's these, you know, again, the, the mummy's a monster, technically, and he's going to raise up his own monsters to fight him. But let's be honest, the mummy literally just punches and kicks his way right through them like they're nothing. Yeah, I mean, after all, they are just made out of, of rock, and, and he's strong enough to just do whatever, you know, punch him, break him, crash him, whatever he needs. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, which is fantastic. I love it. He's just, like, punching and you know, swiping, like almost karate chopping at them and everything. And he's, he's going to town there. And then we still have Scarab. He's trying to use uh, the beetle and he's trying to zap uh, the other two guys. And it looks like it's going okay. But then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Hydron kind of pulls a fast one on him here and gets him to drop it. And then Hydron grabs uh, the Scarab here. So I thought, oh crap, what are they going to do now? Yeah, basically the fight is over because that's what they've been trying to do is get the scarab. Mm-hmm. That was basically the only thing that was stopping, you know, the elementals from taking over the planet. Basically, they've they've said that on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. But I do love this is a typical Sutton panel. And a lot of his Charlton work looks like this bottom panel on page 15 there, that panel where, uh, you know, uh, our buddy Dr. Scarab, Alexi Scarab, is like screaming, you'll never take the Earth and never. And there's just like a light and energy emanating from his head. And there's uh, all these Egyptian people looking around like that. That right there is, you know, in a nutshell, what you're going to see if you get Tom Sutton's uh, Charlton. Okay. Mark. 
Okay, yeah, that that's kind of like a a collage picture. You know, it looks like uh, something is happening over here to the left, and then the effects are being seen, kind of put together, but different aspects of people's reactions in the other two thirds of that panel. Mm, yeah, Sutton's work. It always has like, you know, the, he always has what details you need to understand, like what he's trying to convey. And then he always has this style where it's kind of I don't know how to describe it. I want to say like not muddy or dirty, but like this uh, this style that looks like kind of grungy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can, can see, I it, can see it looking at this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then holy smokes. So this is a, a, a two page spread I have and I've had it on. Uh, my magazines and monsters uh, Facebook page. I have a bunch of albums there of, you know, some of my favorite artists and I'll have sometimes 30, 40 up to a hundred images. Some of my favorite scans and they're all scans from comic books. I own uh, this is one that's in my Tom Sutton album. Cause I can still remember seeing this for the first time. Uh, I speak on this two page spread here. First of all, without knowing who this is, I would have thrown out that this is a Ditko. Because that is very much who this put me in mind of. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's a it's a multicolored um, pan dimensional, trans-dimensional kind of image of pathways and energy and planets and in, in the very center in a black oval, like at night, you see Cairo. And then directly underneath that, but flipped, you see a mirror image of that same image. So instead of the black of night with the light colored or, or even white Cairo buildings, the mirror image is, is exactly that. It's a mirror image of that. And then all around it is just this inter-trans-pan-dimensional kind of uh, milieu of just stuff mm -hmm. yeah and there's there's one box at the bottom that gives us a little uh sneak peek into here into what this is it says it is called if such a concept can be explained with mere words a dimensional aleph and that was a word that i feel like i've seen that word but when i looked it up i was like yeah i had no idea what this even meant so <laughs> if you just do like a a, a quick uh, you know, Google search or whatever on uh, that word. It just says it's the, the first thing that pops up is it's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So I'm thinking to myself, um, okay, but what does, what, yeah, is, what is it? What does it you know, help? No, I'm like, so what does that really mean? But then it does, you know, if again, if you, you kind of read further, um, it also says, um, it says, uh, let me read here. It says it re it represented the onset of a vowel, at the uh, glotus in Semitic languages, this functions as a prosthetic weak consonant, allowing roots with only two true consonants to be conjugated in the manner of a standard three consonant <laughs> consonant Semitic root. And I'm just like, okay, but like, what is it? What is he? What, what are they trying to like show you here? Like by by calling it that? Like I didn't really, I wasn't sure what Warner was trying to, you know, get across here with it. Like. You know, it's just it was a little a little confusing with the description, but it does say uh, it's a point in space that contains all other points 
then this is the crossroads, the very nexus of all dimensions. And I thought, okay, now you're speaking my language a little bit. Like, you know, like man thing, he's the, the, the nexus of all realities. So it's sort of like that. Right. Yeah. If you, if you dig into, you know, actual meanings here, um, I see it symbolizes oneness and unity. Um, it's often associated with, with the oneness of monotheism, but it is uh, very much a, a uh, an affect of Judaism or, or Hebrew. Uh, it's part of the Hebrew language, apparently. So, yeah, I, I wonder, yeah, I, I, I kind of think maybe that it was somebody trying to think big and maybe just misused something, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. I always when when I first saw the word here, I was thinking of some sort of some type of angel. I thought that I had seen the word Aleph used for, but I, I could easily be wrong with that. Yeah, I was really kind of like, huh, what? And I'm like, you know what? It's just something really cool. Artistic, uh, yeah. <laughs> artistically, it looks fantastic. And then it basically says, you know, at the center of this, yet no longer belonging to any of the other dimensions is Cairo. So. You know, he used these powers to basically put Cairo at this crazy dimensional crossroads place, right? Right. Yeah. Th- this is something that you would have seen in issue, what was it, 300, I think, of The Incredible Hulk, where Doctor Strange banished him to the crossroads of dimension. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I remember that one. Yeah. That's, so that's a good one. Later on, about uh, what, 20 years? Let's see, 70. No, 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 no. 15 years or yeah, maybe about 15 years. Uh, the Hulk was put right here where Cairo is by Dr. Strange. That's, that's what I thought. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> it, we see everybody again, including, you know, all our major players here, the elementals, you know, basically the good guys, the bad guys, everybody was transported there as well. And <laughs> Dr. Scarab says, Lord, what have I done? What has happened to us all? Ron, old Dan asked, where did you come from? And where is everybody else? And then the elementals are pissed. And uh, they say, we've toiled with your uh, foul lot for the last time, Scarab. I'm not sure what you hope to accomplish transporting us here, but we'll destroy you now and be done with it. And Scarab's pissed. So he throws the, the, the Scarab off the ground and says, just like that, you lose your patience and put an end to the pesky insects. Blast you. It doesn't finish that easy. I still have the Scarab, and we're still fighting for the heritage of all future human generations. But... It doesn't at first look like it's going to do anything. He's trying to like will it to do something, but it looks like he's going to be in big trouble here, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, something we neglected to say when when they the elementals grabbed the scarab, this this transporting of Cairo thing that Doctor Scarab did was because the energies of the scarab had internalized into him, mm-hmm. and so Doctor Scarab was the one that caused all that to happen. With the energies from the jeweled scarab, I guess when this all happened, um, the elementals just, I, I guess, just threw the scarab onto the ground or, or they, we don't know, but now it's on the ground mm-hmm. and Dr. Scarab picks it back up. And yeah, the, the scarab, I guess, the jewel doesn't contain really anything because all of that energy is somewhere else at the very least some of it was in dr scarab um and that's why we saw that really cool image of of cairo um Mm -hmm. 
But we find out via the, the story here over the next page or so that the energy is it, it's almost like everybody was transported not only to this nexus of dimensions, but into where the energy of the scarab is. So they're like they're <laughs> they're one with the energy, I guess you could almost say, not trying to get too metaphysical about it, but you can't help it because the story's kind of leading you there. So mm-hmm. like like all of a sudden you are the energy, you know, like like Oprah would say, and you are the energy <laughs> and you are the energy. And, you know, that's that's kind of the situation we find ourselves in now. Mm-hmm. You're all the energy. <laughs> That's it. You know, if you'll reach under your seat, and yeah. So, <laughs> well, I like that uh, on the page 22 here at the very top. You know, the elementals are kind of in the background, and there's like this cross hatching, but they're like in this light blue background, and everybody's kind of looking around, like, what's going on? And uh, the mummy thinks to himself, the scarab is powerless, and so are the elementals. I think I understand. In a single moment of panic, Doctor Scarab drew all the energies out of the ruby. It must permeate the very air around us, which means anyone ought to be able to utilize its power. And you see the mummy, he uses his arm, just reaches out to blast at, uh, uh, you know, uh, our buddy here, uh, one of the elementals, doesn't he? The, uh, uh, yep. which one is it? Hellfire. Hellfire. Yeah, yeah. He And and so they get into a, a little one-on-one contest of fire, I guess, versus energy, uh, you know, kind of that... Uh, tug of war to see who will win mm-hmm. and yeah it's kind of like everybody's like using these powers to try to stop the elementals and the elementals are trying to you know fight back and i do love how the element elementals kind of uh like come together to use their powers like almost like combine their powers and they zap the crap out of like ron janice looks like asp and old dan but the mummy and zephyr are still standing and again the mummy speaks here right yeah, yeah, he does. And uh, still again, though, I mean, the the word balloon isn't the, the nice rounded smooth like everybody else. It, it's kind of sketchy, you know, so mm-hmm. something is going on with his voice. But at this point, I definitely think it it has to be more a word balloon than the possibility of a thought bubble like we thought previously, because this is this is advancing the story. You know, this is actual narration that he's doing. So uh, he definitely is speaking here in this panel. And he's quite eloquent. He says, <laughs> yes, boisterous ones, we indeed challenge you too long in this war. I have remained silent for such is my way. But now I see what you do not and I can act and no victory is ours. And uh, there's Scarab. Zephyr and the mummy, and it looks like Zephyr and the mummy are kind of combining to use like, you know, wind power here and the the air power of the, you know, the the elements. And uh, uh, Scarab says, yes, my mind link. I know what Encantu is thinking of. Janice, Ron, all of you listen. And they're going to basically like kind of do like a a team up here where (laughs) uh, Ron, Janice, Aspen, Old Dan get in like a, a circle here. And like kind of all hold hands or actually like hold on to each other by the shoulders, but make a circle. And then we have the mummy. It's an interesting panel. He's at the top uh, panel here uh, to the left, and he's kind of gesturing. It almost looks like there's this circular motion or energy coming away from him with them holding all hands and, you know, shoulders and looking towards the elementals, which are in the top right corner. And almost as if they're kind of like, you know, kind of like a group. Like uh, like a gang attack here, 
beating up on the elementals using all the power they can summon between the what what five or six of them yeah almost looks like maybe he's sending energy to them and they're like magnifying the energy and then sending it on at the elementals to try to defeat them and they they pretty much do right yep they uh we have one panel here or uh no that's uh the mummy and zephyr and scarab it looks like they are being hit and defeated but actually i guess what it is is they're really putting off a lot of energy Mm -hmm. and then in the next panel yeah we see the elementals they get pushed away and scattered in a in a smaller panel and then in a third of the page panel at the bottom of that page you really see that the elementals are affected in a in a very negative way yeah that panel you were talking about where it's scarab zephyr and uh and Kantu, like uh, uh, surrounded by that like fireish looking energy, the the in Kantu, he looks like Doctor Phosphorus from DC a little uh, yes, bit there. Yes, he does. <laughs> yep. And uh, uh, Zephyr, she looks like she's topless. By the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, but look at Scarab. It looks like he's trying to make over there or something. He's you know like bearing he's it down s- pretty hard. Squeeze like he's he's constipated. Yeah, something. That's, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they blast the crap out of him, and they're like, "No!" And they like knock the three of them outside of this a lift thing, and it says, "Hellfire, Magnum, Hydron." Together, the three elementals are flung from the perimeter of the power influence of the Scarab. They fall out of the city of Cairo and are flung across the dimensions themselves until, at last, screaming and helpless. They are drawn into the very vortex of the Aleph, and like broken flotsam in the current of some great river, they are drawn deeper and deeper through the countless dimensions. Sights burn their eyes, blacken their brains, their very flesh seems to explode, and their souls blasted. They have, without redemption, perished, these three. So, they're dead. Well, yeah, I, I don't think there's any coming back from that, yeah. Man, you turn a page to page 30 there, the, the comic, and well, we got another really cool, like one page splash of, you know, that all this going on basically, but at the top it's split into three, where you see the, the three elementals, you know, basically, uh, you know, meeting their doom and that Aleph kind of in the middle, and then Cairo at the bottom with the sun rising. What do you think of that page? It, it's interesting you, you say that. The page seems to be divided into thirds. Okay, Mm -hmm. because the top third is divided into thirds, one of each of those thirds representing one of the elementals. Mm -hmm. And then in the other two thirds of that page, we have the image of Cairo that is presented to us three times. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is the actual image it it, uh, has in Kantu and, and Zephyr and our heroes. And then the other two are like incomplete after images or something like that but there's three of those images so mm-hmm. it's a, the the rule of thirds is used in this page several different times several different ways yeah it's really really cool i i really like that especially the bottom there where it shows you know the the you know air quotes heroes here kind of you know seeing a new day dawn and everything go back to normal and knowing the elementals are you know well i guess they probably think yeah they're gone at least for a while, if not gone for good. I don't know that they actually, you know, saw their deaths, but um, it's really, really good panel. It's, you know, got the sun rising over Cairo and, you know, shows some buildings. It's not super detailed, but, you know, the figures in the foreground are detailed enough, you know, with uh, Dr. Scarab, Zephyr, um, the mummy, and then I'm not sure who that is on the far left there. I guess it could be Asp or Old Dan. 
Yeah, I'll 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 go with Asp. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Finally, we get to the last page here, and there's an epilogue, and it shows Doctor Scarab. <laughs> this is fantastic. Putting the 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 Scarlet Scarab into this uh, little box-looking, you know, Pandora's box-looking type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, little chest. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is looking on, and he says the ruby is powerless now. It was drained by our battle. Thankfully, I should think we'll not have occasion to use it again. And I thought, what do you mean? If it has no power, how are you going to use it again, bro? Uh, yeah, I, I, it's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no power. We won't use it again. OK, yeah. Mm, and then uh, it looks like uh, I think that's old Dan says all of which seems to put a neat cap on everything. And the mummy's standing there. He goes, he thinks to himself, perhaps. perhaps. And his eye is red, which I love it. Uh, there, there we go. Yeah. Yep. And then he and then he thinks, what happens now? I freed two sets of people, and I feel as if my destiny has been fulfilled. For what place is there in this world for a 3,000-year-old mummy? And yet, what if these are but small trials? And then it looks like Asp says, goodbye, Doc. Old Dan and I have invited Zephyr to join us, and she's accepted. I thought, I bet you have, pal. Mm, yeah, I bet. Uh-huh. And, and then it, the Asp looks really creepy here in that next panel. What about that? Yeah, I, I, that, I, I guess that's just Sutton doing Sutton things. Yeah, he looks like a real creep, like almost like demonic. And he says, I keep getting tempted to say it was fun, but I guess you know what I mean. Too bad about that scarab being powerless, though. And then, uh, you know, I, I guess a little time goes by and we see it is quiet now. As these newfound friends say their farewell someday, perhaps they shall see each other anew. But the world will have changed by then. And the mummy's just kind of sadly slumped over looking out a window. And Scarab is looking at that chest. And he, it says, but then again, and what happens here? <laughs> yep. There's nothing in the chest. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody pulled a little sleight of hand here. Mm-hmm. The ruby, it's gone. Asp! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the asp was like, oh, it's powerless. It's still, you know, worth some money. So he stole it because, you know, he is a thief. And and it's still a ruby, uh, you know, a, a, a whatever with a big ruby in the middle of it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a, one last uh, kind of panel here, and it shows Old Dan, Asp, and Zephyr. And it says, but the Asp, along with Old Dan and Zephyr, has long since fled. The Asp and Old Dan had a dream. They were changing a dream that had been waylaid by the elementals. But for now, and possibly forever, they are back to changing that elusive dream. And what the hey, it's a living, right? <laughs> so I guess they're going back to being crooks. <laughs> there you go. And, you oh. know, looking at this page, but then flipping back several, we have not seen Ron and Janice. No, they kind of disappeared there towards the end. Like, I think they it still showed them, you know, during that whole Aleph scenario, they were there kind of fighting. But it seemed like once the elementals were defeated, they just popped, disappeared. Yeah, they they were in the uh, let let our powers combine uh, section there, uh, uh, a la Captain Planet. And after that, we see uh, this panel on 23 at the bottom of the page where the mummy and Zephyr and um, Scarab are getting ready to focus the energy. We see Ron and Janice there, you know, mm-hmm. having succumbed to everything. And then that is the last panel that those two characters or no, no, they're in the in the. The circle. Top, yeah, the panel at the top of 26. But then after that, uh, there is... They're nothing. gone. Yeah, we, it's it's really weird, isn't it? I, yeah, I, I'm not sure what happened. I guess the Sutton's like, oh, that's too many people. I can't draw everybody. 
And I mean, as I feel like as the book went on, Janice kind of fell kind of to the to the back of the crowd. Yeah. I mean, Ron was still, you know, right there, especially with that, you know, him going from being like more pass, more like a pacifist and then, you know, uh, kind of getting like a little bit of a, a murderous thing and then like battling with that. Like I said, maybe PTSD or something, you know, but uh, she kind of fell off. And then yeah, after that that kind of conversation he kind of fell off a bit yeah too, right? that, that was it i mean they really didn't use um his struggles any further than saying oh he has struggles and and that was it now that could be because they knew the end was imminent you know mm-hmm. so we we have to focus on a couple other things to to wrap this puppy up because we know but you know uh also we know that in in this time period that the announcement or the actual decisions to stop books came rather suddenly so it's also possible that they didn't know and so if they didn't what happened to those characters why did they just drop out so i don't know you know maybe that's something for uh mr sutton to tell us or mr warner uh if Mm -hmm. if either of them could remember i mean you know we're only talking (laughs) 50 years ago and and one one story so well, Mr. Sutton has passed on. He's been he's been gone for a while, but I don't know about John Warner. He's he's somebody that it's kind of a a bit of an enigma. Him and I think there was one other guy and his name is eluding me right now that did some bronze age work for Marvel that seemed to kind of disappear after that era. I don't even know if he ever did DC work or whatever, but it, it seems to have, you know, the, the, a couple of those people from that era seem to just, you know, disappear. And I'm sure they got into other things like, you know, like yeah. uh, commercial art or something like that, but right, they seem to really, yeah, they seem to really, you know, like fall off the map that they, they never did comics again and they don't do any kind of shows or anything like that, which is kind of a shame. I, I, you know, I'd like to, wouldn't mind, uh, you know, hearing from those people. Well, I mean, they have a place, you know, they made a mark obviously because you and I are sitting here able to, to see the mark they made 50 some years later. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I guess may, maybe they just kind of, wandered into comics to begin with and so it was easy for them just to wander back out yeah you never know maybe they whatever they were doing you know for a living beforehand you know they kind of just went back to that because you know right hey maybe just the way the comic industry was going wasn't something they you know had any interest in maybe they were yeah. just like yeah I'm, I'm good here i'll go back to doing whatever i was doing before you know it's totally yeah possible. there you go yeah I, I took a shot and uh it wasn't for me and so i i moved on Mm-hmm. So yeah, so well, that's uh, that's gonna be it, man. That's that's gonna wrap up the series here. So overall, you know, pretty good stuff, right? What do you think? Pretty good. Yeah, I'm. I'm the 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 ending, not of the story itself, but the fact that the book ending and ended was was kind of unfortunate. You know, I mean, it was just like not even in any letters, pages, or anything in the books did they say, you know, oh, be sure to read because it's like. Uh, okay, this is it. Bye. So mm-hmm. that was kind of unfortunate, but uh, it did give us a, a chance to see uh, some Valmeric art, um, read some Steve Gerber, which is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some 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 good stuff there. Just I don't know. I, I wish it could have ended. the The book could have ended a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do think, you know, uh, Isabella and Val Merrick uh, not being on that last issue, I think it would have been much different. I just, you know, especially just from the, the, the visual storytelling and then some of the voices of the characters. I think Isabella, had, you know, had, had a pretty good uh, 
pretty good handle on them. And again, not to knock John Warner, but uh, it's kind of tough to get thrown on a book with, you know, two issues left. And there was already a big storyline going on, you know. Right. Wrap this up because, yeah, so. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, overall, this was a lot of fun, man. I appreciate you joining me for this. This was great. And, you know, like I had said before, we're going to, we're going to have one more uh, episode after this one, uh, you know, kind of just wrapping a little bow on this with uh, <laughs> there was uh, an issue of Marvel 2 and one issue uh, 95. And uh, that has a, a living mummy appearance in it there, which is kind of fun. And, you know, we're going to have an, a, another little something to uh, tag on to that episode as well to uh, kind of round out the, the thing here. And then uh, maybe on that one, we'll uh, kind of announce what we're going to do next. We have uh, something cooking that we were talking about doing here uh, after the living mummy that you and I are going to tackle. And so maybe in that episode, uh, we'll let everybody know what that's going to be. Sounds good. Fantastic. So, all right, well, that's going to uh, wrap us up for this one. And uh, you know, uh, uh, one series down and uh, one more to go as far as you and I are concerned. And then of course, I will definitely have you on the Brave and the Bob again. We had so much fun with oh yeah some yeah. of those crazy uh, late you know middle late Silver Age issues. Those are a blast too as well with Haney and all that you know nonsense and craziness he was writing. You, you just can't go wrong. Those are always a blast, right? Yep, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So that's what we'll be uh, you know jumping in uh, next and looking forward to and uh, everybody uh, stick tight and uh, I'll be back in just a second to wrap everything up. <laughs> everybody that wraps up this episode and wraps up uh and come to the living mummy with one small exception ed and i uh, are going to cover an appearance of his in marvel 2 and 1 and then to let the cat out of the bag a little bit here uh we uh, were able to uh interview a certain artist that uh, was on the living mummy here uh val mayrick and that is going to come out as one episode It's going to be about a half-hour-long interview with Val Merrick and then uh, about an hour long of Ed and I talking about that Marvel 2-in-1. So look for that in the next couple of weeks. A little special surprise there. We had a blast, and, uh, you know, thank Val for uh, making time out of his day to uh, let us talk to him. So that was really cool. So be on the lookout for that soon. All right, take care, everybody. Mm -hmm.